This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Oh, hey! Welcome, 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 my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I don't know, they're both good. (laughs) I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. (laughs) Oh, cringe. I couldn't help myself. Anyway, I am your host, Freya Graff, and I am a holistic sex coach and educator and yoni mapping therapist. So basically, I make my living massaging vaginas and teaching people about sex. Yeah, pretty cool. (laughs) So as you can imagine, we are going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you'd never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in though, I would like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this podcast, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if y'all are ready, let's flap and do this. Oh, is there such thing as having too many vagina jokes in the one intro? Whatever. I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up the couch. It's the Labia Lounge. This week's episode has an extra special sponsor, Johnny Condoms. It's an inclusive, sex-proud brand of condoms that are vegan, ultra-thin, eco-conscious, and non-toxic, which is why I choose Johnny. And you'll find out why this is relevant to this particular episode if you keep listening. Hello, my labial loves. I'm so thrilled to be back with you in the lounge today because I've got a guest who I've actually been hunting down and pestering ever since I started this podcast six months ago. (laughs) So I'm really excited to be chatting with Danelle Randall today about all things HPV and cervical health because she's basically an inspiration to me and a huge advocate for cervix owners everywhere since healing her own cervical dysplasia naturally. And I'll just tell you a little bit about this woman first and then I'll tell you why it's so bloody important that I got her on the podcast for me. So Danelle Randall, MA, is a woman's integrative health coach and wellness educator specializing in cervical health and pelvic well-being. After healing her own cervix herself of seven years of abnormal pap smears, Danelle is devoted to spreading the word that yes, women can heal their cervix and fall deeper in love with their female body in the process. She's spent the last 12 years studying, researching and practicing integrative health, holistic and lifestyle medicine, motivation and behavior change, self-sufficiency, indigenous earth-based wisdom traditions. Oh my God. I love this, nature-based healing modalities and the most important wisdom and intelligence one can study, her own body and her relationship to it. So her business, Cervical Wellness, is in service to all women and to all girls who will become women and seeks to be a hopeful resource of pelvic well-being for all. 
Oh, love that. Simply fabulous. Welcome, Danelle. I'm really excited to be talking to you. Thank you. I am stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So I guess a little bit of uh, context just right off the top. Most people don't know this about me, but I've actually been trying to heal my own cervical dysplasia for about four years now. Um, and I've been employing, you know, a naturopath and other holistic practitioners for support along my journey with it. Um, I haven't, I haven't had a pap smear for about the last six months. Um, so I haven't checked on the state of things in that time. Uh, but I feel really confident that my body can do away with the HPV and heal itself. And your book today was really empowering and really helpful for me, you know, a few years ago when I was sort of faced with all of the fear and the anxiety provoking doctor's visits and it helped me advocate for myself. So this is a topic that I'm really passionate about and very interested in, obviously, because I'm pretty invested in the outcome for myself. I'm like really still in that, in the thick of that healing journey. Um, hence why I was so wrapped that you were keen to join me on the podcast because yeah, you're my go-to for cervical well-being nowadays. Oh, I love that. You know, every time, um, someone tells me that I'm very tickled and humbled. And, you know, it's also kind of bizarre that Mm -hmm. I'm the only person out there talking about this. So um, I'm honored Mm. to be the torchbearer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a role to be playing for so many people. It is really sad that there's just not that much out there sort of offering alternatives to the the sort of mainstream medical model. So, yeah, I mean, that was why I was so determined to get you on and have <laughs> been pestering your your um VA. But um okay, so firstly, I would just love to give everyone a bit of a rundown, I suppose, on what HPV is in case they're not aware and what's cervical dysplasia. Just so we're all on the same page before we move in a little bit deeper and I ask you about your journey and your story. So could you please explain for the listeners in case they don't know what these diagnoses mean? Yes, of course, I'd love to. In fact, I think this is something that every medical practitioner who does pap smears should just explain to us anyways, but for some reason they don't. So I'm happy to give the Mm. explanation. So HPV is a sexually transmitted infection. It's a virus. They used to use the term disease, STD, but now they say STI, infection. And HPV stands for the human papillomavirus, which is a category of virus that actually encompasses And I believe it's like well over 170 different strains. So there's, you know, the human papillomavirus, um, it's not rare. It's not uncommon. In fact, it is likely that most people will contract some sort of strain of HPV in their lifetime. And what is actually not widely known that really blew my mind when I learned about it is actually humans co-evolved with HPV, which is interesting in, um, what is it, like paleo Art, not archaeology, and um, paleoanthropology, mm. where they're studying the remains of like humans from the Neolithic period, they have found HPV viral bodies in the remains. And so, like, HPV isn't this new. Wow new virus that suddenly has, you know, come onto the stage. It's something that 
has been a part of our human existence for a long time. And um, but the HPV strains that most impact um, the cervix and our, our pelvic health are strains HPV 16 and 18. And actually, I believe there are two more, but I can't remember um, the numbers. You know, they're categorized by the numbers. But those are the mm. strains that are said to um, be like a, a ca- cancer-causing, which um, can create cervical or dysplasic cells on the cervix. So cervical dysplasia Mm. is a very fancy way to say abnormal cells on the cervix. And, you know, our body produces Mm -hmm. abnormal cells all the time, like freckles or moles or, um, you know, things of that nature. Those are abnormal cells. Basically, it's just, you know, our body's cells Mm. mutating in some way. And when the mutation gets becomes extreme, that's when we develop cancer. So cancer, in essence, is just our own body, the cells of our body of wherever the cancer is mutating into such an extreme rate that it starts to wreak havoc and kill the host in essence, kill our bodies. But we're not going there. (laughs) But I'm just trying to give you an essence, uh, an understanding (laughs) of what like mutation and dysplasia is. So Mm. cervical dysplasia um, manifests on the face of the cervix. So I'm just going to briefly, um, talk about the cervix. So your listeners understand. So the cervix is a a part of the uterus. And, um, so if the uterus is shaped like an upside down pear, the cervix is the bottom tip of the uterus. It's called the neck of the uterus. And the part of the cervix that develops cervical dysplasia is called the face of the cervix, which is the part that is exposed in the vaginal canal. And dysplasia can also begin mm. in the, in the cervical canal. So, um, you know, the, the, the cerv- through the cervical oz, which is the opening of the cervix. So cervical, these abnormal cells start to present in the cervical canal and on the face of the cervix. And so in essence, it's just some cells on the cervix that are mutating in their life cycle. And so when you get a pap smear and it comes back positive for HPV, that means you have a viral infection, you contracted a virus via, you know, sexual experiencing. And if you have um, cervical dysplasia, that means you have some cells on the face of your cervix or in the cervical canal that are mutating and becoming abnormal. Mm. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. It is really crazy how much misinformation or just lack of information we receive. And, you know, when I got my diagnosis, they did not tell me any of that. They don't tell you shit. Um, so, and I, I really, really appreciate you acknowledging how common it is as well, because I think as soon as anything has the label of, you know, sexually transmitted infection or whatever, it's like, Ooh, there's a bit of stigma around that. Uh, and I suppose, you know, it, it becomes, there's a bit of fear mongering as well in, in the medical community. So it's great to just be like, Hey, pretty much everyone gets HPV at some point. And also 
you know, if you look at the stats, like our body's immune system very often manages to deal with it within a year or two and it never really becomes a problem. So I can't really remember the statistics around this exactly, but I, I read them and I was like, oh, that is very helpful information to know rather than the sort of doom and gloom um, conversations I was having with doctors because it sort of just like opened up a lot more hope um, an expansiveness knowing that actually it doesn't have to be a big deal. It's very common. And a lot of the time, especially uh, women in my age bracket, do manage to just heal it without even realizing they've got it or without it becoming a, a major issue. So, yeah, that's that's really good to note. Um, so, I've read about your background with this, but maybe you could share a bit of your story for us and just talk about your experience of receiving a diagnosis and then your journey in the medical system through to actually going, right, I'm just going to heal this myself naturally because I found your story so inspiring and I'm sure people would love to hear your journey with it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I would love to share my story. So, you know, I had never heard of pap smears or HPV or cervical dysplasia or even the cervix, you know, my whole growing up into like womanhood at all. So when at the age of 19, I had a pap smear done at a local clinic, I didn't really know what was being checked. I didn't know why I needed it, but I was told I needed it. And so when I received the results back at the age of 19 and they said, oh, it came back abnormal you have HPV and cervical dysplasia, uh, it literally just went in one ear and out the other. Like I had no idea what that meant. And they told me, you're young, you'll heal, don't worry about it. You can just go live your life. And so I listened to them. I did exactly that. I didn't give it another thought. I didn't even like consider the fact that I had an STI. And I was a pretty rambunctious, wild, 19-year-old college-age student. And so (laughs) I just went and lived my party lifestyle. (laughs) And, um, you know, I really liken that moment to like a what-if time in my life. Like what if someone had at that time sat me down or told me like, hey, this is what this means. Like maybe just do these different things in your life, or you should focus on this, I think my, my life journey would have been completely different. Because what ended up happening is because Mm. I didn't know anything. um, The my diagnosis actually got a lot worse over the years. And over the next Mm. three years, the cervical dysplasia went up two grades. So it started at SIN 1, and then it went up to SIN 2, and then it went up to SIN 3. And like the whole time, nobody ever told me anything as to what what I could do. They're just like, you need Mm. the LEAP procedure, or you need the HPV vaccine. And like, I am a person that is kind of stubborn and I ask a lot of questions and maybe that <laughs> annoys some medical professionals because I was like, why do I need the HPV vaccine if I have the HPV? Like, tell me, tell me how this works. And they couldn't explain it to me. So I didn't get it. And then I went online and I was like, what is this leap? 
or what is this procedure that they want to do? And I looked it up and I saw some like horrible photos and I went on a forum and I read these stories and I just scared myself. I like, I got so scared at the thought Mm. of doing this procedure because they're like, oh, we don't do any sort of anesthesia or numbing because the cervix doesn't feel anything. There's no feeling in the cervix. And that's just, I was like, I don't, I don't really believe that. Like, I don't know. It just didn't sit right in my body. (laughs) So, you know, three, about four years after my initial diagnosis, you know, my my doctors are pretty worried about me. I saw the same um, doctor for, or she's a nurse practitioner. I saw her for about three years continuously, you know, every six months going in for pap smear and colposcopy biopsies and And she's just like, Danelle, like, I'm worried about you. It's getting worse and worse. And like, it's not getting any better, but you're not listening to us. And so she sent me, she referred me to um, a like very professional OBGYN at a teaching hospital in a, a, like a, in the bigger city nearby. And you know, I complied because I was just starting to feel so bad about myself. I remember um, before I got Mm. referred to this OBGYN, um, I had seen a different medical doctor and this was a male. And um, I remember him asking me, well, how many sexual partners have you had? And I was like, I, you know, I don't know the number. Why? And he's like, well, it's getting worse because you've just been having too much sex. And I was just like, what? Like, oh. I just, they just, I, I've <laughs> had this continuous experience of being shamed and like bullied and, and attempted to be like fear mongered into these things that I just didn't feel good about. You know, I was told I was going to get cancer. I was mm. told that if I don't do this and I'm like going to harm myself and, so I went sent to this teaching hospital um, with this like very fan, like the, the best known OBGYN in the local area. And, you know, she did my seventh colposcopy biopsy and, you know, she did another like wow. pap smear swab. And it was in a, it was in a room that was like a, a gynecological teaching room. So nobody, no students were in there, but imagine like this like big auditorium, like round auditorium and like a little, little exam table in the middle, like with like lights, like that's where it was. It felt very dystopic. Um, (laughs) And she, Mm. you know, I had never met this woman before. And she came and like put her hand on my exposed thigh. I remember this very clearly. And she's like, you know, Danelle, you you know, the cervical dysplasia is bad and you're not listening to us. So unfortunately, unless you do what we tell you, there's nothing more we can do for you. And in essence, she didn't say it in this language, but she said, we'll like, we'll see you when you have, when you have cancer. Like that's, that's the message that I got from her. And so I went home Mm. and I was just Mm. so distraught. I was 23 at the time. And I, you know, I was just, I was literally on the shower floor sobbing, just so like 
I can't believe I'm going to die an early death of cervical cancer. Like this is what I guess my fate is. And then something very miraculous happened. And I, I can't really put my finger on like exactly how to describe it other than it felt like my body like turned on or like it awakened. And I, I like heard this voice internally and my body said like, Danelle, there's something really wrong here. And I like, I got up off the shower floor and I turned off the water and I just like stepped out of the shower and I like felt this like inner light inside of me. And I like looked in the mirror and I said, we're going to figure this out. So Freya, for Mm -hmm. the next three years, I did in-depth research and study and trial and error on all things cervix and reproductive health and how does the body heal and integrative health and holistic health and like how, how do people have Mm. these, you know, miraculous healing events? Like how, how does the body actually recover Mm. from things? And I went back to graduate school and got my master's in integrative health. And I was just, I was so determined. And, you know, through the, through those three years, I continued to have abnormal pap smears. Like I continued to Mm. go in and have the same diagnosis, but I was just like, you know what? No, like, no, I'm not going to succumb to this. And lo and behold, Mm. seven years after my initial diagnosis, um, I had a pap smear on a Thursday and that Saturday morning, my doctor called me and it was very, I, I thought she was going to call me. I thought she was going to tell me I had cancer, honestly. And she's like, Danelle, I just got your results back yesterday afternoon, you know, Friday afternoon. I couldn't wait till Monday to tell you. <clears throat> I think she was even calling me from her like personal line at home. She's like, I couldn't wait to tell you <laughs> your, your cervix is completely healed. Like, there's no signs of dysplasia. HPV is basically gone. Like we can't even find any fragment of it. Like she's like, you did it. You, you healed your cervix. She's like, how did you do it? (laughs) And I was, I was so elated. I just, I was like laughing, like bouncing up and down, just like, oh my gosh, I did it. I did it. And then within, it was like within 30 seconds, I got very, very angry. I was so PO'd, like pissed off. I was like, what the heck? Like I had to figure this out. Like, and I just immediately started thinking about the millions of other women who probably were going through the same thing that I did and who also didn't have any support Mm. from their medical providers and also didn't learn anything about their cervix. And it was like in Mm. that moment... I was like, I have to start talking about this. And so it was actually, I was in my final semester at graduate school. And in my final course at graduate school, I did a presentation about this. And in my cohort, it was all women. And after my presentation, all the women were just like mouth dropped. And they're like, Danelle, why haven't you ever spoken about this. I was like, I don't know. Nobody talks about the cervix. Nobody talks about pap smears and stuff. Like it's such a hush hush (laughs) thing. And they like all of them said, Danelle, you need to share this. You need to actually 
speak more about this. Mm. And um, that was six years ago. And I now have a business based around the cervix and cervical healing and what, you know, women find me through abnormal pap smears, but my work is very much based around just remembering and reconnecting with cervix and how this can transform our whole, Mm. our whole life, whether or not we have a diagnosis. And if you do have a diagnosis, it's a beacon of hope that you can actually heal and that you can, you know, recover from this without slicing off your cervix or having a hysterectomy, um, that there are other ways. And, Mm. uh, yeah, it's very deep work and, um, I'm honored to, to do it. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So incredible and definitely such a beacon of hope. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've kind of made it your life's work now and your, your work, your business, your book, like it's all helping people everywhere with cervical health issues. But even, you know, I feel like even if someone doesn't yet or just doesn't have any troubles in that department, I know that you feel really passionate um, about why it's so important for all women to connect to and heal their relationship with their cervix anyway. And you've sort of described the cervix as like the mouth of God in the female body. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because I think they're really beautiful um, and could be really, yeah, enlightening for people to hear about who might think, oh, I don't have any issues with my cervix. Oh, it's no big deal. Like, where's my cervix? What's my cervix? Who cares? You know, Um, (laughs) because it's not on a lot of people's radar until something goes wrong, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Hey, babe towns. So sorry to interrupt, but I simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've seriously got to get around. It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and valuable content, thought provoking conversations, and just general support from a community of labial legends. It's a safe, non judgmental space where you can go to ask the questions that you can't ask anywhere else, seek advice or solidarity from other like-minded folk, tell stories that are usually too much for the average conversation, and also play a role in shaping the podcast with your input. So through this group, you can submit stories that you'd like me to read out for the TMI, Sand in My Clam, and Get Pregnant and Die segments. Um, And as well, you you can send in questions or topics that you would like covered on the potty. I'm always open to suggestions and input and you never know, you might hear your story on an episode. So my vision for the group is that it becomes a really rewarding, supportive, educational and hilarious resource for you to access and be a part of. So head over to the link in the show notes or just search up the Labia Lounge group on the old facey and I hope I see you in there. And now back to the episode. Uh, So, you know, I... You know, in this journey of what I call the cervical healing journey, I I feel like most people in a female body need to go on a cervical healing journey, which is just to reconnect with the depths of their pelvis. Mm. Um, You know, womb work is is becoming more popular, and I'm so grateful and happy that people are connecting and healing their womb. And what I call forth is actually women to go even deeper than the womb, to go to the cervix. 
you know, cervix mm-hmm. holds a lot of density. It's if you think about the pelvic bowl being a bowl, you know, all the heavy things fall, mm. sink to the bottom of the bowl. And what's at the bottom of the bowl is cervix. So this, I, I've been playing around with this concept as cervix, as the mouth of God in our body. And this has no like religious connotations, but more of a um, a place that we can connect to internally with our mind to receive information and wisdom um, that will guide us to what is best for us. Because what I what I have found and, and what I, I speak to about women a lot about is that, you know, the information that we receive from this place in our body will never steer us wrong. Like, it, it, you know, sometimes we can tap mm. into our heart and there's a lot of emotions there. And emotions can sometimes guide us to places that you know, we feel very deeply about something, but maybe it's actually not for for our best purpose. Um, same thing with our mind; like our mind can like make up all sorts of stories. But cervix. So I'm gonna. So the cervix. What's interesting about the cervix is it's the most innervated portion of the female pelvis. So the clitoris has the most nerve endings. But the cer- the face of the cervix has the most like nerve pathways, like unique nerve pathways. Mm. And one of the nerves, mm-hmm. nerve pathways that terminates in the face of the cervix is the vagus nerve. And if you don't know about the vagus nerve, it is a very fascinating part of anatomy. Mm. And in the female anatomy, I think it's actually, it's what leads cervix to be the mouth of God. So the vagus nerve is one of the 12 cranial nerves that come, that come out the base of the brain as the brain stem. And yet unlike the other cranial nerves, which go down into the spinal cord, the vagus nerve comes out the base of the brain and into the throat and snakes down from the throat and innervates and interconnects all or most, maybe not all, but most of our major organs. So it connect, it innervates mm. the, the trachea and our thyroid. It kind of branches out and wraps around the heart and our thymus, the gland on the heart. It goes into the lungs. It innervates the stomach and the pancreas. It goes over into the kidneys and the intestines and comes down to the top of the womb, wraps around the womb, like branches of the same nerve pathway, wraps around the womb and ends, terminates in the face of the cervix. So in the face of the cervix, we have the end point of this nerve pathway that connects through the entire central channel of our body into the center of our brain. And in many Mm. different wisdom traditions, like in Hinduism, for example, the chakra system, it is said that the chakras are actually the glands in our body. So like the ovaries or the pancreas, um, the thymus, the thyroid, the pineal gland, and the pituitary gland. Well, all of these glands are connected together by the vagus nerve. 
And I've heard, I forget exactly where I've heard, but I've heard the vagus nerve be dubbed the God pathway because of this like mm. profound interconnection of all of these major places in our body um, starting in the center of our brain, ending at the face of our cervix. So when we connect like with our mind or even stimulate the cervix um, intravaginally, whether with our fingers or with a, like a, a, a wand or a dildo or even through penetrative sex, we activate and open up all of these places in our body ending in the center of our brain and our crown and, you know, cervical orgasm is like, there have been many testimonies of women having very psychedelic experiences of feeling their crown open and feeling like mm. connected to the universe through cervical orgasm. Now we don't have to have cervical mm. orgasm in order to feel that connection that just in the process of of deepening our relationship with this place, we can tap into that wisdom. We can tap into the wisdom of our entire body. We can, through um, physical stimulation and through meditation in this place of our body, we can um, access this God pathway. And What's interesting about the anatomy of the cervix is cervix has a face and cervix has a mouth. The mouth of the cervix is the cervical os, or the cervical, the opening of the canal. And the vagus nerve actually, um, as it, it, it bifurcates. So there's like two nerve endings that wrap around the, the womb and on either side of the mouth of the cervix, there are two nerve endings of the vagus nerve. And so like, Around the mouth of our cervix is the termination point of this God pathway. And I just, mm. I, I don't know, Freya, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is mystical. Like this is like extremely mm. magical. <laughs> that cervix is like the mouth of this God pathway. And what does that mean mm. for us in female bodies when we actually bring our mind to this place and process the density that is holding us back from being connected here? And what can this mean for our sense of embodiment, for the way we move and act in the world, and for just our unique connection to the intelligence of this universe. You know, it goes pretty deep. <laughs> so, so I'll stop there and yeah. let you, you know, respond and ask more questions. But um, that's oh. cervix as the mouth of God, which I'm very excited to speak about. Mm, well, yeah, it's big. It's deep. It's, it's totally a thing. I mean, Anyone you speak to that's had a cervical orgasm or has become intimately acquainted with their cervix will attest to this. There's something that you can't quite explain or that's just a little bit more cosmic <laughs> than um than the usual orgasm or sexual experience. So yeah, I love that you've sort of delved really deep into this, obviously, you know, personally and now in your work and your teaching and just speaking on it because it is powerful and it's really special. I mean, imagine if we were all walking around just really aware of and connected to our our cervix and listening to the messages that we get from it and 
Yeah, there's um there's a module in my online course that I'm creating at the moment that's all about the cervix and the vagus nerve and how to dearmor the cervix and so yeah, you're sort of you're speaking my language, girl. Um, <laughs> so before I get stuck into some more sort of like practical um, info and advice and tips about like the options, um, you know, that, that doctors give us and then the ways that we can actually advocate for ourselves to heal naturally and all of that, I'm just going to pop in the segment, Get Pregnant and Die. Don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have, don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it, promise. Uh, so this is where I ask you for a story about how your sex ed either failed you or something you would have liked to have learned more about or, you know, just a general sex ed related anecdote. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's so many. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, you know, right? yeah, I think what where it really failed me which i i'm sure you've had other guests say this but learning about the female cycle and fertility and like i remember learning mm. like being taught like oh just go on birth control and then you won't get pregnant but if we learned that we yeah. can only get pregnant you know, a few, a handful of days out of the month, you know, and if you just kind of track your mm -hmm. cycle, then you wouldn't have to be on birth control. And I, I, I really think mm -hmm. that, you know, the hormonal birth control thing, I was on hormonal birth control for 10 years. And I know that was one of the, one of the causes of having, you know, pelvic health issues. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I have two nieces that live nearby. They're 14 and 12. And I am so devoted to being like, hey, don't go on birth control. Just track your cycle. You can only get pregnant <laughs> like a few days out of the month. Just like be aware and conscious and like, you know, notice your body, mm -hmm. be literate with your body. I mean, I remember when I'm married mm. now, but when my husband and I were dating at the time, I remember I told him I'm going to get off birth control um, because I we were together when I um, went on my cervical healing journey, and he's like, "Well, what does that mean? Like, are you going to get pregnant?" And I was like, "John, that's his name." I was like, "John, I can only get pregnant <laughs> like three to five days out of the month max. I just have to know when my fertile window is." And he he was mind blown, and even like he was like, "Why don't?" Mm. Ed, why doesn't everybody know this? Why did sex ed not teach mm -hmm. us this? So that's, I think, one of the anecdotes, one of the ways in which I feel sex ed failed me mm -hmm. was just not like, why don't they teach us a, actually about the rhythm of the female body instead of just being like, oh, you have your period, yeah. here's some tampons and go on birth control. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, okay. oh. I think that would have saved a lot of us <laughs> a lot of grief because we're all now mm. in our like late 20s and 30s and we're like, birth control ruined my body. <laughs> like I'm healing from it. So mm. yeah, I'm curious if you've yeah. had people say that oh. before this piece. 
Yeah, yeah. I've so I've done a couple of episodes on menstrual cycle awareness and natural fertility awareness and things like that. So on those episodes, those guests probably I'm pretty sure they mentioned that as their as their get pregnant and die story. And I it's something I'm so passionate about as well. It's just like as you're talking, I'm like, oh preach, because that's probably <laughs> my biggest thing that I think um Oh God. I mean, you can't pick just one. Hey, we, I didn't learn about anything valuable in sex ed really, but right. that's such a big right. one. And it's God would be such a game changer if like teenage girls and like, yeah, young women were actually being taught how to practice this from an early age. And we weren't all just routinely whacked on the pill straight away as soon as we even like sort of get even, I mean, it, we put, get put on it when we're not even having sex. It's, you know, we get put on it for our skin or just to regulate our cycles, which is actually just completely robbing us of a cycle, but we don't get told that either. And, and, um, yeah, I'm very passionate about this. I could talk about it forever. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, if you're interested, if it, listeners, if you're interested in, getting getting on board with tracking your cycle and getting a little bit more acquainted, a bit more intimate and and learning how to use your cycle as a barometer for health and also just, you know, feel empowered by knowing when that fertile window is. Obviously, there's apps out there and things, but I've also created a PDF that's just free and you can download it to print out and chuck on your fridge that is a cycle tracking chart. And I use that because I like to handwrite you know, my sort of different um, symptoms and moods and dreams and my cervical fluid and all of the different bits and bobs that you can track that will help you really pin down, you know, how your body works, how you cycle, when you can expect to be fertile, when you can expect to bleed. Um, yeah, it's very, very valuable practice and I've found that to be a game changer. So, I'll put a link in the show notes to get that PDF as well. Um, mm. And something that I just, I don't know why it just popped into my head, um, that just jumping back over to uh, the, the cervical topic, I, I've like discovered that um, not only, you know, so with thrush or BV or something like that, you can, you can actually be passing it back and forth between you and your partner. And so I was like, oh, maybe this is why my HPV has been so persistent. I'm doing all the right things. I'm, you know, eating really well, blah, blah, blah. I'm pretty, you know, tapped into my yoni and, and I'm connected with my cervix. So what's going on? And I asked my naturopath, is it possible that my partner and I could just be passing it back and forth? And so our, you know, bodies isn't getting a chance to to heal it and yeah she was like yeah that's definitely a thing um that can happen so we're actually in the middle of doing a a six-month stint of no unprotected sex, meaning that we have to use condoms just to stop any transfer of it back and forth and give our immune systems a chance to resolve it. So um, I just wanted to mention that and also say that Johnny Condoms, which is this amazing Australian-owned brand of really ethical, really natural, really body-safe condoms, has actually sponsored my plight to heal my cervical dysplasia and has hey, sent me a whole bunch of their condoms. So I love yeah. that. 
which is pretty cool. Yeah, I love that too. So I just want to give them a shout out. Um, yeah, check out Johnny Condoms because it's it's a really incredible product and then the brand ethos is fab and it's run, it's owned and run by three women. So that's kind of my jam and yeah, definitely check check them out. I'll pop a link to their work in the show notes as well. But yeah, that's a bit unrelated to what we we're talking about but I just thought of that and I thought, oh, that's something maybe helpful that people might not be aware of, aware of that you can and pass it back and forth. Yeah. I also, you know, with that, you know, I tell all my clients if they're in partnership, healing HPV is really, it takes two to tango, meaning your partner Mm. also has to be doing the work of healing their immune system and taking care of themselves and like, Mm. you know, rectifying their own inner boundaries. And, you know, that's a, that's a thing. It's like, they just can't leave it up to you, especially if you are passing it back and forth. Um, so that's, that's a really important Mm. thing that it does take two if you are in partnership to heal this and, um, Yeah. yeah, which can be sometimes hard for, our male partners be like, what do you mean? I, I have no issue with this. Like, it doesn't affect me at all. And they're like, hey, it's affecting mm. me. <laughs> you know, because for mm. men, unless they have the strain that affects infects the throat, which some men do contract HPV in the throat and can cause throat cancer. Mm. Um, that's one of the strains. Oh. But if it's on the, you know, on their penis and they don't have a strain that causes like warts then there's no issue for them so anyway i just wanted to put that little plug in too yeah and then there's actually one other thing i wanted to say Mm. in relation to birth control and the cervix so Mm. i learned Mm -hmm. that for women who are on birth control for five years so hormonal birth control for five years they are three times more likely to develop cervical dysplasia leading to cervical cancer. And if they're on it for 10 years or more, um, they're four to five times more likely to develop cervical cancer. So it is something that actually creates, can cause us to be more susceptible Mm. to developing this. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. Those are huge stats. Another thing I'm really passionate about is, yeah, getting off hormonal birth control. (laughs) Yes. Um, so other than that, what are some, what are some risk factors that you're aware of that kind of create the right conditions for developing a a persistent case of HPV or really stubborn cervical dysplasia that just won't quit? You know, uh, hormonal birth control is one uh, and, and I'm sure there are some other main ones that can be risk factors. Hmm. Excuse this unseemly interruption, my darlings. I must ask a wee little favour of you. I'm shamelessly seeking reviews and five-star ratings for the potty because, as I'm sure you've noticed by now, it's pretty fab, and the more people who get to hear it, the more people it can help. Reviews and ratings make it more likely to get recognized by the algorithmic gods and suggested to other listeners to check out. Plus, they make me feel pretty good and appreciated as I continue to pour my heart and soul into creating this baby for you. 
Now, I promise I don't maz over them or anything like that. I mostly just read them out to Locke with a big grin on my face and he says something like, see, you're killing it. Proud of you, babe. And then I tuck it away for a rainy day when I'm filled with self-doubt and existential dread about being self-employed. So, you know, doing this really does make a difference and is an easy little act of support that you can take in just a minute or two by either going to Spotify and leaving five stars for the show or writing a written review and leaving five stars over on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're a real overachiever, you can do both. Well, now, that would be kind of crazy. Crazy awesome, obviously. Like, that would be super ideal. Would love that. If you're writing a review, though, just be sure to only use G-rated words because despite the fact that this is a podcast about sexuality and all that good stuff, the platforms censor words like sex and won't actually show your review. Lame. Anyway, oh, 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 you're going to do it right now while I wait? Oh, yeah. No, no. Awesome. Great. That's like, yeah, great idea. May as well just like quickly click that five-star button before we get on with it and, you know, forget or whatever. I mean, life just kind of gets in the way sometimes. So, I totally agree. It would be best to just do it now while we're talking about it, you know, while, while we're on the topic. Totally, totally, totally. Yep. Oh, Oh, I can feel those five-star reviews rolling in. Mmm, fuck yeah. All right, all right. Well, thank you much, Lee. You're a total gem, and I'll let you get back to the episode now. Love ya. Yeah, so, you know, lifestyle plays a huge role in this, and I heard you say, like, I'm doing all the right things, and yet we currently live in a time where we're constantly bombarded with toxic things, food, water, you mm. know, air, you know, EMF, all these things create a huge stress load on our body. And so, you know, really getting clear about the quality of water you drink, the quality of food you're eating, are you getting sleep? Are you having like EMF free experiencing? So like turning off your Wi-Fi or getting away from, um, you know, these uh, frequencies that Mm. can really cause our body to not be able to allocate our internal resources to healing this. Mm. Um, You know, and another thing that I actually just learned, um, just which I want to share with your listeners is how we Mm. actually contract HPV, which HPV can only enter into the body through minor cuts or abrasions or openings in the flesh. And oftentimes this happens Mm. when we have penetrative sex, when we are not actually fully aroused. So allowing Um. penetration before our body is physically ready. And I'm pretty sure most of your listeners can relate to the feeling of like having your cervix pounded a little bit or hit or like, you know, maybe like there being some like intense friction in the first moments of penetration um, that causes micro abrasions Mm. in the vaginal canal. And that's how Mm -hmm. HPV gets in. Um, So being really in tune with your body's arousal Mm -hmm. and actually giving yourself time to be aroused before penetration, which can take anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes, you know, of like warming up. Um, Yeah. Let's see. What are other risk factors? Mm, 
You know, just like the usuals, like smoking or alcohol are definitely things that lead us to just this combined with, say, um, you know, rough penetrative sex before already combined with uh, like a high toxic load and combined with even unprocessed sexual trauma or unprocessed um, experiencing in our pelvis that leads us to dissociate these things. Like our, our mind body connection play a huge role in this. And I've actually had clients who had perfect lifestyles. Like they were, they ate well and they did all the right things and they exercised and they, you know, on paper seemed like they were doing the right things. But then in our work together, what would come up is like, Oh, I have some like repressed sexual things, whether that's like my thoughts about Mm. my sexuality or my thoughts regarding my female body and sexuality or even unprocessed experiences that Mm. in a way it's like cervix is like calling out for us to heal these things. Like the mouth of cervix Mm. where dysplasia begins to manifest is like, please, please like face me and, and like, let me tell you all the ways that I need your help. Um, mm. So, yeah, pelvic dissociation yeah. is another risk factor. You know, just letting people do to you what they want. You know, it's so many of, I'll just speak for myself, like just letting my partner have sex with me because he wants to, but I'm not really into it, but just like letting him do it. Like that is, I don't mm. know. Um, I know we're trying mm-hmm. to like keep the peace, but it's like if we're healing our cervix, we really need to put cervix first and they need to be on totally. board with that. So those are some mm. of the things. Yeah, beautiful. I love how holistic your approach is because it's never as simple as just eat the right food and exercise or whatever. Like, you know, you mentioned everything from EMFs, which my partner teases me so much about because I'm always like talking about minimizing EMFs and I've got my blue blocker glasses on at night to not disrupt my circadian rhythm. And he's, he's always laughing at me, but I'm just like, well, it's like, you know, there are, we are so bombarded with all kinds of, you know, toxins and overstimulating influences that are really not giving our bodies or our nervous systems a chance to have the, the real sort of rest and digest restorative kind of time that it needs for our immunity to be where it needs to be at. So I'm, I'm a little bit over the top with that stuff compared to the average person, but it's almost like I just know too much now and I, I nerd out on this stuff too much to yeah, to um to go back now. But yeah, it's it's really important the emotional and energetic side of it as well. And you know, I work with women really closely around things like sexual trauma, around things like yeah, pelvic dissociation or, or sort of the abandonment of their bodies in in situations where we've been I guess, trained and brainwashed to appease and people please and go along with things to keep the peace, like you said. Uh, and so really, really cool to, to point out the whole thing around microabrasions and having sex before we're ready and that 
really does not only is it not as pleasant it's not great for our tissues and it also means we're probably not as likely to have an earth-shattering orgasm if we're you know our erectile tissue isn't engorged and we're not ready but it actually opens us up to the risk of infections getting in not just hpv but other infections and yeah it's really important to to know that because so many, so many women, I would say, I mean, I know they through talking to thousands of clients, so many women are having sex when they're not quite ready or they're having sex longer than they want once it starts hurting and it's getting a little bit abrasive or frictiony. They'll just be like, oh, you know, just let him finish. And it's like, oh, God, no, please. Like I understand why it's easier to just do that and go along with that um, given the context. But it, it's really, yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to remind people and educate people on this and help them really back themselves and advocate for their, their pussies and their, um, their cervical health with, with this sort of thing. So yeah, love that you mentioned that. Um, and like when I was reading your book, I remember just finding it so, it was, it was helpful and, and really empowering to hear that, you know, you'd managed to do this for yourself, that you felt really confident that others could as well. You know, the overall messaging in the book was very hopeful and uplifting for someone, you know, like me, for instance, who was, is actually trying to tread that same path of going against the doctor's recommendations, going against all the really you know, extreme and in, invasive surgical options and things like that, and just really being determined to heal myself naturally. Um, and I'd love to give the listeners that same message of hope. So maybe you could even talk a bit about at this point in your career, like how many success stories like yours you've heard now, and you know, is it actually quite doable and and maybe common for someone to be able to heal their dysplasia or their HPV without needing medical intervention? Mm. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's actually really incredible to have seen how many women have healed through this information that I've shared at this point in in the life of cervical wellness through my course and my book and just like various other offerings, I've received over 300 um, confirmed diagnosis reversals. And, um, wow. and I've all, there's even more than that of women who just like follow my work. You know, I'm pretty active on Instagram who um, just mm-hmm. say that um, following me and like, me being this beacon of hope, like helped them through. So even though they didn't like purchase any of my material, that just (laughs) me saying that they could do it and then like persevering, Mm. helped them do it. Mm. Now, one thing I want to tell all your listeners is the thing about healing your cervix yourself that I have found is very important is that you have to be, you have to jump in with both feet. Like you can't be half in, half out. Like I think I can, but I don't know if I can't, you know, it's, it's really like a one way track that once you start Mm. listening to your cervix and once you start following the call of your cervix and making the changes in your life that cervix is calling you into, 
there's really no going back. And I've actually, I've had several one-on-one clients who were like, Danelle, I had no idea that so much would change for me after saying yes to this. I'm like, well, I know because I know that you had no idea because you actually, you don't know until you say yes. And this is the thing is like, I, I invite women or just people who are wanting to go on this journey to get really clear with themselves. Like, are you willing Mm. to make the changes? And you have to be like a full on both feet in. Yes. Because if there's any waffling, like our body registers Mm. that our body, like the mind body connection is paramount in this. And every cell in our body receives all of our thoughts and cervix mm. knows <laughs> through this vagus nerve, remember, knows how like your truth in the matter. And if you are lying <laughs> to yourself about this, like cervix knows and she'll continue to spread, send the message. And so, you know, mm. you it is more than possible to heal your cervix yourself. In fact, I had a client once, this was like the most miraculous thing. I'm still in awe about this. She had SIN3 cervical dysplasia. She came into my course and this is when I was teaching at live. Six weeks later, she had a pap smear and it was completely healed. What? And I was like, I was like, what? She's like, Danelle, it happened uh, six weeks. And I was like, I start crying. I was like, like my mouth just like gaped open. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> um, you know, but on average, I would say mm. like the the women that I have worked with or that I've been like really, I would say like on the front lines with on this. On average, Mm. it takes anywhere from like six months to two years Um, because what, what what I think is like we have lived our life, say you're 27 and you've had cervical dysplasia for a couple years, but at the age of 27, you decide I'm going to heal my cervix. Okay. That's like 27 years of your life that you kind of have to rewind or not rewind, but it's like Mm. you you've been headed in one direction for this long and you pivot. You're like pivoting your 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 path. Okay, I'm going to do things differently now. So you pivot. It's going to take some time for you to get Mm. to a place where the body then is is healed in this way. And so this is what I tell all my clients is like, you like, it takes time to do this. Like, don't give up, even if it's been years, because you're headed in the right direction. Like, if it's, Mm. if you don't have stage three cervical cancer yet, like, you're like, you're okay. (laughs) Like, it just takes time to heal, just like give your body time and continue to make the changes to make the reorientations. Listen to your cervix, like, what is it Mm. telling you? Okay, maybe you've been vegan for 10 years, and cervix is saying I could use a little nourishment. And so maybe you take some beef liver supplements. Or maybe Mm. you start incorporating Mm -hmm. bone broth, you know, these little things that maybe it's not what your mind wants you to do, but cervix is like, 
I need mm-hmm. you to do this. And these are the types of changes that you need to make. I actually had another client who was like living in Nashville, Tennessee in the United States here. And she was like, I just did a meditation with my cervix and I think I need to move to LA. And I'm like, really? She's like, I think I need to move to LA. And so she's like, move to LA and her cervix is healing. You know, it's like very bizarre, the things wow. that sometimes cervix says. But it's this inner oracle. Mm. It's like the the mouth of God is like our body speaking to us about what we need to do. And um, so for everybody who has cervical dysplasia and you've been struggling with it, like continue, like persevere, like continue on, like you are doing the right things if you are doing things. Like just keep taking mm. actions, keep pivoting when you need to, you know, drop things that aren't working for you, incorporate new practices, just like keep yeah. getting back on the horse and cervix will guide you to where you need to go. Mm. Yeah, such a beautiful message. And I think, you know, when you're speaking about uh, on average, it takes six six months to two years. It's important just to like reassure people as you do in your book. It's like you've got time. This thing moves quite slowly. Luckily, it's not an aggressive thing necessarily. It's not as urgent as the doctors might make you feel. You know, I was feeling really quite harried and rushed and there was this sense of like urgency like oh you need we need to make this other appointment for you and then we've got to do this and we've got to snip bits off and I'm like whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. oh my fucking god no thank you and and I found it very reassuring and calming to read you know once I started researching myself and then reading your book um, that it actually is quite slow moving usually. So you've, you've got time, you know, there's, I don't think we spoke about the sins, but you know, you've referred to like this woman who had sin three and you had sin three. That's like quite advanced. There's sin one and then it progresses to sin two and then sin three. So you've, you've got time to work on it and heal it before it gets into that like red zone of like, okay, this is very, very close to being cancer or, you know, so I just want to reassure people it's not all as urgent and, and sort of doom and gloom as maybe the medical system can make you feel. Um, and just don't allow yourself to be bullied or pressured or pushed around into doing procedures or jumping the gun when you haven't had a chance to give your body time and actually do all the things to heal holistically, um, which I would I would love to just ask before we wrap up a bit about some things people, some action steps or some things people can look at doing and changing, but I don't want to forget the segment TMI, we love it. So do you have time for a quick little story about something a little bit taboo or stigmatized or, you know, hush, hush that wouldn't normally be spoken about in general conversation. A little TMI story for us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Like I'm trying to think, okay, I have, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. This might be way TMI. <laughs> Perfect. Um, <laughs> Bring it on. Okay. Okay. Th- does it have to be about the cervix or can it just be anything about like no anything okay okay. yeah anything i just want to name the power of having like if if you are in a heterosexual relationship and if you are 
on your period, the power of having your male partner ejaculate inside of you while you are menstruating. I feel like the combination of the fluid this might be TMI. I don't know. I, because like <laughs> cervix is open at that time, like releasing the blood. And I, I don't mm. know, Freya, I feel like it's like the most mystical, like magical experience of like having the, the combination of the fluids happen. And, you know, mm. now that all of your listeners have this idea of like the the path, the God pathway and cervix as the mouth of God, like just like feel <laughs> like, like, like feeling just like that opening with like the, mm. I don't know, the power of the, the, the male semen inside of you is just, mm. I, I don't know. It's like my body never feels so ignited except when that happens. And I know wow. maybe period sex is a little taboo, but Uh, I know he doesn't mind maybe like day like four day four day five you know not at the very beginning Mm. um I just think that it's that's something that should be advocated for (laughs) definitely love that oh wow actually had um a beautiful woman, Tamika Wilder, the orgasmic mama on the podcast a little while ago. And she also was advocating for period sex and just saying how much she loved it. And And I totally agree with you. It is quite magical, isn't it? There's like the blood magic and there's the seed of the man. And I have definitely been known to, uh, to, uh, I said this, I said this on the other episode as well, but it's just so relevant. But I've been known to sometimes sort of, uh, squat over a jar afterwards and collect the blood and the semen that has been mingled in the cauldron of my vagina and then add some clay and some essential oils and some honey and make a face mask out of it. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Wow. That's radical. I love it. Yeah, so there's no such thing as too much TMI in this in this lounge. Um, so thanks for sharing that story. It's beautiful. I think we need to destigmatize period sex for sure. I, if if your man's on board, like they tend to love it too, because you're not gonna get pregnant, and they're like, yes, okay, like let's bring it on. I can come in you. <laughs> totally unless you have one of those very short follicular phases in which case be careful but that's why you've got to get the cycle tracking chart so you can be all over that Um, but yeah I've heard so many men say that they really love it and it's you know that really extra slippery lubrication and something really primal about it that can be a massive turn on for both parties so yeah all for it um so I'm conscious that I don't want to keep you too long because I know it's evening where you are um but I'd love to just touch upon maybe some 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 elements to the self-healing journey that you found to be really uh, effective that you advise, you know, your clients to work on, like where does someone start with this? Just maybe some really kind of digestible action steps um, or pillars of healing, I suppose, if you could. I know it's a massive question and people should go and get your book to get more info. But, yeah, can you just give us a little place to springboard off hey me again if you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on i want to mention that you can also buy some dope merch from my website and get yourself a labia lounge tote tea togs yep 
You heard that right. I even have labia lounge bathers or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back. Or if fashion isn't your passion, you can donate to my Buy Me A Coffee donation page, which I actually call Buy Me A Soy Chai Latte because I'll be the first to admit I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that. And yes, that is my coffee order. Um, so you can do a once-off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. Every bit helps because it's not cheap to put out a sweet podcast into the world every week out of my own pocket. So I will be undyingly grateful if you support me financially in this way. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself, which is at this early stage in double L history, just the spare bedroom at my house. <laughs> anyway, I'll pop the links in the show notes later. Yeah. So what I recommend everybody who is beginning a cervical healing journey to really start to think about is how can I nourish my pelvis? So this can look like doing castor oil packs over the womb. Castor oil is like a really powerful healing oil. Um, If you don't know what a castor oil pack is, one search on YouTube and you'll see lots of videos about it. Mm -hmm. Doing things like yoni steaming or vaginal steaming. Um, eating foods that the pelvis loves. So, you know, pelvis is like a blood, is a place of our blood. You know, our liver is right above the pelvis, like womb is like a very blood oriented um, organ. And so like truthfully, like, like animal products are very nourishing for the pelvis. So like raw butter or raw milk, like beef liver um, capsules, you don't have to actually like eat a liver, but taking the capsules or things like oysters, oyster, um, you can also do oyster supplements if you don't want to actually eat the oyster, like looking into like very Mm. deeply nourishing foods. So um, beef, like bone broths, um, or even like heartier vegetables, like hard squash, or um, um, let's see, what are some other like vegetables I'm trying to think of? Just think of things or like beets. Beets are also really powerful for the womb. So just thinking about Mm. how can I nourish my womb from the outside, from the inside. Um, And you can also start to think about how can I support my body's internal resources so that it can allocate the internal resources, like the energy to healing my cervix. And one thing that is a a powerful practice that there are some naysayers on the internet that say, don't do this, but I did it. And I've known many people to have great success with, and that is coffee enemas. So coffee enemas... You use green coffee. It's not like coffee you get from like a espresso machine. There's like a very specific type of coffee. But what it does is actually cleanses your blood. So as I just said, like the uterus and the cervix, these are like blood organs. And so if we can support the health of our blood and our liver, this actually supports the health and well-being of our uterus and cervix. So coffee enemas actually cleanse the blood. It helps like pull toxins and also reduces inflammation in our body. 
So if you don't know about coffee enemas, you can do some research about that. That's a powerful healing tool. So those are some physical things. And on the more mental, you know, or like more psycho-spiritual level, I'm a huge advocate of connecting with our cervix, with our mind, as I spoke to. We can also touch our cervix ourselves with our own hands, which is, and if, if you don't, if you've never touched your cervix with your own fingers, just to touch your cervix, not even to like gather cervical fluid or anything, but just like, I'm going to enter my fingers into me and just like place my fingers on the face Mm. of my cervix. And if you can't reach like using some sort of tool and just like holding it there, touch, hold Mm. and breathe, I can guarantee (laughs) that things will come up. I've had women tell me they start to get nauseous, that they start to feel faint, that they start to cry. And I'm like, actually, that's a might sound kind of strange, but this is a good thing because Mm. what's actually happening is we're establishing this mind-body connection. And for so many of us, we've been disconnected for so long that it's like, Mm. like if you sit on your foot strange and it becomes numb, and then when you start to like bring feeling back to it, it hurts. It like tingles and hurts. This is like the same thing with Mm. our cervix. You know, it's like, once it starts, our connection starts to denumb, it's not going to be comfortable. So mm. to just like, I, I love to invite clients to like when they're meditating or just sitting and breathing with themselves to place a hand on their heart and just to cup their vulva and to like visualize like they're just kind of like hugging and holding their cervix and to like bring space and relaxation here. Like, can you just release tension Mm. in your pelvis and release tension around your cervix. Um, And just even in those moments of interconnection, insight can come through. Like the intelligence of cervix is like awakened, like, oh, hey, you're looking at me like you're you're facing me. Okay, I have a lot to tell you. Um, (laughs) And this is where, you know, information might come through. So those are Mm. like some beginning steps to like focus on nourishing the pelvis in various ways and nourishment with blood. So this also means like moving your pelvis, getting enough exercise to move your blood, like moving your hip joints and like going for a run or doing squats or something, you know, nourishing the pelvis, Mm. nourishing the blood of the pelvis and doing and then on the other side of the coin, doing like deep interconnection work with yourself, with your cervix, touching her, breathing Mm. with her, being with her, listening, allowing yourself just Mm. to deepen your relationship because it's a relationship. You're doing, you're healing together. You're not doing something to your cervix. You're working together. And the way to to b- form that bond is to actually be in relationship with your cervix. So that's where I'll, that's what I'll leave for your listeners are those two beginning mm. pathways. So beautiful. I'm so, yeah, I'm so wrapped that, that 
you were able to be a guest on this podcast because all of this is just so valuable and important and I love your approach. Just love listening to the way you talk about it all. So hopefully this was, yeah, equally valuable and insightful for listeners. And I would really encourage people to go and grab Danelle's book and and um, she's also actually given us 25% off uh, her signature course, which is called Cervical Wellness Online. And so there's a coupon code that Danelle sent me and I'll pop it in the Labia Lounge Facebook group for you to access if you're interested. And of course, you know, any other links to her work will be in the show notes as usual. Um And I just, yeah, I really want to honor your journey and and the sort of the work that you're doing in this world, Danelle, and yeah, really appreciate again you coming on and taking the time to chat with us all about it. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. You know, I'm more than happy to spread this message and to be a voice for cervix and a voice for this new way in our body Mm, that um, I know many, many women are ready for. Yeah, big time. All right. Well, thank you again, my love. I will see you next time, everyone. Bye. And that's it, darling hearts. Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode, or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.